Welcome to Otaku no Radio's first venture into the Reverse Thieves Secret Santa Project. Every year, in case you didn't know, Alan and Kate of ReverseThieves.com organize an event by which bloggers and podcasters are secretly proffered three anime recommendations, of which the recipient must watch at least one and blog and or podcast about it. Since Jared was a little late to the party, I invited him to watch one of my choices, which uh, included Therma Rome, Genji Monokatari Seneki, uh, which I really wanted to watch but couldn't find any trace of for viewing, uh, and Kashin Sins. The latter had been recommended to me several times by more than a few friends over the years, so I definitely decided it was time to sit down and watch that uh, 2008 reboot of the 1973 anime series. Kashan. Kashan. <laughs> I just had to say that. People love to say his name, so I had to say that. Um, so this anime, basically, in, a, in an increasingly desolate future imposed by a force known as the Ruin, humanity is on its last legs, and robots are breaking down piece by piece and dissolving into rust. It's terrible. Their only hope is a rumor. Find the cause of this slow death. A bishi robot android human who really knows what they what he is and kind of how he works, named Kashern, who killed the sun named Moon, who is also known as Luna, and devour him to gain life eternal. Meanwhile, the aforementioned and amnesiastic Kashern, unaffected by the ruin, evades a perpetual onslaught of desperate robots while wandering aimlessly and struggling to remember what actually happened as he observes firsthand the effects of his supposed action and i superimposed the like bill bixby incredible hulk theme every time kashurin was walking through the wastelands because it's basically kind of like that it's it's very moody it's oh god <laughs> this is this is this is a sad times anime like like this was this was this was a very depressing thing to watch Especially right now, what a great way to what what a great way to cap 2017 than with a with a show about a apocalypse where everything's wasting away and dissolving to rust. You get, I mean, that's really that's that's peak 2017. Except for the richest of rich, there's you know three new high tech robots and their beloved dog. Yes, gotta love Friender. Gotta love Friender. He was like the best anime dog I've seen in a long time, and he's a robot. Oh yeah, he's great, and and I like how they kept his design like basically, it's it's evergreen that design doesn't change much at all. No, sleek, and uh, it they, it's amazing the amount of emotion they got out of it too, just mm-hmm. from posturing and you know uh, how he moves. So this uh, this is not a show. This is what I love about Secret Santa, even though I I screwed up and didn't get anything in in time. Um, but but I've done it before, and it's really great. And this is why. It's because you you watch something that you may not have necessarily picked on your own, but that because people kind of study what you've watched, you end up probably getting something that works with you on some level, and you, you kind of stretch into new territory uh, and, and do things, um, you know, in, in terms of like your own anime viewing that you wouldn't normally do, you know, like Ink watching a robot show, and that's exactly where I was going to go with that. <laughs> Ink, how did you feel watching a, this robot show? I didn't mind it so much because it wasn't people climbing into robots; it was people being robots and robots being humans. 
and being sad about being robots too. Oh man, dude. And the what I kind of really loved about it was because you had, you know, the the robots that looked like robots, these big clunky junkers. You had the robots that looked like humans, which were like the newest models and who weren't falling victims to the ruin as quickly. And you had you know, like humans, but they were totally separate from the robots, and they were either you know uh, underfoot or you know against them or friends of them. And I just I just like how they were all in the same world, and I like the relationships they set up between them. Uh, to, to go into this world a little bit more, so basically, the world has ended for all intents and purposes. Uh, planet Earth is just this big. Dust bowl, sand dune after sand dune of of smog and smoke and uh, decay, and humanity itself actually has is is pretty much almost extinct. There are very very few humans left, um, and even the robots, which one of the interesting things Kashern does, I think, with the whole idea of robots is it. Takes this this you know ostensibly immortal thing a robot but they have to wrestle with mortality too and um, because they they rust and and dissolve into you know dust in the wind uh, because of the ruin and um, it's a it's a really bleak world but but for all of that there are some pretty extraordinary bright spots of hope uh, throughout different episodes of the show which is mostly kind of a serialized thing. Yeah, it's very episodic, and I had two two thoughts in that. Like, the first was like, oh, this is Kino's journey with robots. And I kind of <laughs> kind of really love that, because at least through most of the first core, there's no real through story except for Kasserin, like, traversing this planet and watching the effects of what he supposedly did, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I've unleashed this, the ruin on the, the planet, and everything is disintegrating because of me. And robots are attacking me and then having these devastating effects on all the people around me. Um, so I am nothing but bad. Like, he goes around telling everyone just, you know, don't, don't deal with me. Just go away. And yeah. inevitably people just keep, you know, coming to him one after the other. And nothing good happens. <laughs> nothing, nothing good. Like, even even when when kind people come to him... Bad things happen. <laughs> like there, there was that entire colony of robots that had a, just accepted death, and all they wanted to do, because you know, in this bleak time where everything is dying, sort of gave them the feeling of life, because finally they could be like more human, and they felt more human because there was an end, and there was that fear, and there was that life that became because of the fear. Um, but you know, Kashirin shows up, and they all sort of welcome him. They're not judgmental about anything but all of a sudden once they know he's cashier it's like oh wait suddenly there's a chance for not death (laughs) yeah there's a segment of that population which goes to like really wants his blood and then other robots attack those robots and everyone's decimated thereafter because once you flip a certain switch on cashier he can't stop fighting no matter who you are yeah it's almost like he has this self-preservation logic that sort of overrides everything else in his brain, and he he you know to call back to the Incredible Hulk, he hulks out and like 
you know, he, his his visor comes up uh, and his eyes start just glowing blue, and he that's that's the that's the sign that he's he's going to kill anything that gets in his way, and and he basically can just punch through giant robots like they're made out of wet toilet paper. So he's an extremely dangerous uh, weapon when he when he kind of goes off the edge. And there's a couple of moments in the in the first core where he he almost hurts innocent people because of it. There there are many scenes where he does. Uh, yeah, you, you get you get those wide shots of the battle area, and there are dozens if not scores of you know just bodies laying hacked in twain it's, uh, it's kind of what one of the visual elements that really struck me at first was how violent this was and it harkened back to Samurai Jack where you know because they couldn't show people being disemboweled on screen you know they had the uh, you know the internal cords and wires and nuts and bolts being representative thereof and uh, like man the action is focused and detailed despite being a little absurdist, um, mm. but like my God, it was. I was going, wow, wow, that that must have hurt. Yeah, it's just so depressing. Like, <laughs> especially that first core, which is all I I saw. I, all I saw was the first core. I think Ink, you've you've seen the whole thing, but he'll he'll meet people, and a lot of the episodes revolve around mortality anyway, and 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 sometimes it's. It's even like there's one episode where he's he's accompanied by this human guy, and you're thinking, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe this is going to be a little different. Nope, nope, nope. That, we're now we're contemplating the the human's mortality, and you know, it it's it really, really, really dwells on the questions of death and destruction and the consequences of our actions. I think you know, I think maybe that's where Keshurden sins comes from. The title is just. It's it's him being very introspective in a lot of ways, wandering around a world where, you know, it's his fault that it's pretty much the way it is, and the best he can do is just walk around and go, uh, "My bad, uh, you want to kill me?" Because <laughs> that would be really great. There, how many times does he offer himself up to <laughs> slaying robots just in that? I think every odd numbered episode, maybe. <laughs> In the episode you were talking about, the one with the uh, the human he starts traveling with, or the one who wants to travel with him, mm-hmm. um, I really love that because I think it was at that point I started to say, is is this like an anti-hero of the week as opposed to a monster of the week? Because you have this monstrous anti-hero of someone who's just causing this mass mass death, uh, no matter where he goes, and week after week innocent people die. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like. Are we just going to meet some poor bastard every week and wait for them to die? Because <laughs> that would be kind of cool. And a lot of times, Kashern is is somewhat responsible for it, indirectly or directly. Yeah. Whether he goes off the handle or he just, you know, it's collateral damage due to his battle with other things. Yeah. Yeah. In that first core, you know, thinking of episodes that I thought were particularly emblematic of the show's themes, the the one where um, he encounters the angel of the ruin who is basically this robot with a big sword this robot lady and she's very human looking which always the very human looking robots are like you know they might as well just like have plot point like written on their forehead but <laughs> this lady robot runs around fighting any anybody and everybody she can because that's how she feels 
alive. That's the only way that she remembers how to convey joy and feel kind of passion in her life. And again, this is a robot thinking all this, so it's it's kind of kind of interesting. Um, the robot, this angel of ruin, encounters uh, Kashern and pretty much figures out immediately this is the man of my dreams because I can kill him over and over and over and over and over, and and he'll keep fighting me. Um, and so she starts just following him around, um, and and ends up. He, in a weird way, he kind of – that's like one of the few times I can remember he's like actually helped somebody and they didn't just like fall into dust in his hands or explode somehow. Is um, He basically eventually gives in and starts kind of halfway fighting her, uh, and she runs him through the sword, and yeah, I mean Kashern can't die. That's like one of the weird things about him. Like you can cut him up. You can – you can stab him. You can, you know, slap him around. You can throw him through a mountain. He's 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 gonna heal. He's gonna he's gonna like scream and and like be in agony while he heals, but he's gonna heal. And you know, she runs him through, and basically he's like, "See, okay, you've killed me. Do you feel better now?" And she's like, basically, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm 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 better. Thanks, thanks. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just like wander off. And that is this show to me. Like, like that is like this whole the whole thing. Like, that's that's it. That episode. That's that's not Liu's, is it? No, no, that's okay. a different lady with a sword. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, she actually Liu's actually has a uh, a real character arc. Mm. Um, but uh, no, this was this was a, a this was very much a serial, uh, completely contained episode. Um, it's just such an emo show. Oh God! Like, it is so teenage angsty. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing matters. The whole world is dying. I'm gonna die. <laughs> that yeah, that episode sticks out in my mind. It's just a. I mean, there and there's some good ones too. Um, the one with the singer. Singer um, one was great. Yeah, like one of the kind of the rote formulas you start to notice with with this show at least in its first core is lady robots love to hug kashern for some reason like like oh i mean he's beautiful yeah he he's very he's a very pretty robot um he's very shiny and very clean and and people love that that's kind of the working definition of 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 beautiful and in this world of ruin is you if it eventually kind of dissolves down to the monty python uh bit about you know he must be a noble because he's got no no shit on him. Um, yeah, it's kind of that kind of same dynamic. And uh, for some reason, even in this world of depression, where you know most people are trying to just kill him, including the robots that want to hug him, he's he's apparently a very huggable robot. The uh, the episode I, I actually loved the first, the most in that first core is probably one of the most depressing. Um, it was it was the girl with the girl and the robot in the tower. With a bell, oh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, you know, I I like I like depressing stuff. I'm a fan of Shonen Freud, and uh, but you know that one 
like in this series where you're already in this bleak, depressing world, just to have this one person who just wants to build this bell, and when she gets the bell, it doesn't sound how she wants, and then the bell's destroyed and takes with it half the tower, and then she's guiding people up afterwards, and she goes, see, isn't this this lovely bell staring up at the place where the bell used to be, and then yeah. her just seemingly going insane, going, ding dong, ding dong. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, that that uh, it's another episode where Keshern gets hugged and then she tries to use him for for parts as the bell because he's so clean and shiny and beautiful, uh, and then he, you know, uses his you know degree in in psychology and counseling to basically get her to not do that, and then then it plays out just like you said. So what did you think of the the way they portrayed some of the robots? Did did you think it was a little too? over the edge was there not enough division between robots and humanity or was there some reason for that i think to me the interesting part about the robots is how they're such over exaggerations of humanity um all of the robots uh, all of the main character human looking robots are more human than humans uh and very over exaggerated in terms of their emotions their instability their lightning quick changes in mood all of these things are evocative of creatures that have been made in man's image but fundamentally don't quite get how to human uh and i i thought that was a very interesting uh way to approach uh the robots um i i kind of i kind of like robots like that um you know it's sort of like blade runner uh which will will be something we'll probably be talking about in another old talking radio show when we talk about another show that has robots in it or androids that that kind of over overdo the human thing it's a used trope but it's still a good trope when it's done well and i thought this did a really good job of it i also like how it's a very visual show mm. like like the plot and the writing to me weren't that great but visually a lot of the the visual storytelling i thought was quite compelling uh in several of the episodes and um the way that they design the robots where you have this sort of on one hand you know these are obviously robots with very with very little in the way of human looking features aside from the fact that they're bipedal to robots that look completely human unless you just know that they're robots and they make some like giant leap onto a building or or something like that um I like the fact that there's also the ones in between, ones where you can't quite tell, and the show kind of wants to keep you guessing for a very specific reason. Um, you know, that that's what I was kind of driving at, was like, I love how the show really makes you question humanity and what really makes a human a human. Yeah, th there are several episodes where I was left wondering, you know, which one of these is, which is he a robot or is he a human? And, like, sometimes, because of the story, they make it, like, blatantly obvious pretty quickly and then other times it's it's this sort of mystery the guy the human guy who's walking around with kashern uh i guess that's the second or third episode i was convinced that guy was some robot who thought he was a human until the very end just to to your point where he just falls over dead because he didn't have water. yeah <laughs> uh there's also the uh the old guy oji and uh the the young girl traveling mm -hmm. with him the little girl I was convinced was just a little girl traveling with a robot, mm -hmm. 
which would have been made perfect sense given the premise of the show and how it was you know intermingling robots and humans. I was like, oh hey, here's this instance of robot caring for human as one of its own. It's just another instance of how it really plays with the characters it mm-hmm. has. Really love that. Was there a particular episode in the in the first core before before we start talking about the the second core? Was was there a particular episode that really resonated with you, or one that you thought was um, really well done? Was the uh, the artist painting the city white in the first? Quarter? That was the very last episode or the next to last episode. Yeah, I I, I really loved that episode. Uh, it was a I love the character design of the robot because it was a robot that had lost its leg and now has its own like wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And I thought the wheelchair was kind of cool because it was both uh, large wheels up front and there was sort of tail behind it, not really a wheel. Uh, you couldn't really discern where the legs were supposed to be on the former robot, so it sort of looked like a one-piece design to start with. But the fact that all this all this robot is trying to do is just paint the town another color and uh, add to or erase, not erase, but cover the history, mm-hmm. sort of provide hope by eliminating the darkness that had been painted. And there's a lot of a lot of implementation about color and history throughout it because at one point a, ro- a robot smashes through a pillar. And the artist admires the fact that they could see the color strata, like how how the rulers had painted the repainted the city over the years, and it was it was hokey and it was uh, emotional as hell. But it was that that last bit where you know because he had managed to paint this one street alley entirely white, and uh, he's like I've always wanted to you know just paint repaint the city white and i was thinking oh wouldn't it be great if it snowed and sure enough that's the end of the episode where the whole city is covered in snow i was like god damn it yeah i mean it's <laughs> perfect it, it, always think of what's the most like sad depressing thing that can happen in in the show to just drive the point home even more oh yeah there there it is there it comes that that was a good one though i i i liked that one and it was it was quite different from some of the robot with a problem Kishurin tries talking, it doesn't work. Kishurin punches some things, that works. Kishurin says some sad things. He walks off into the desert, and Frender's kind of with him. Which I felt like Frender had his his shit together way more than Kishurin did. (laughs) Well, uh, Frender's kind of just, uh, he's a puppy with uh, abandonment issues. Uh, His... His original owners were in that original colony of people who had accepted death, and it's just like, oh, hey, Kasherin, take my dog. And the Kasherin ends up, you know, killing his masters mm-hmm. in one of his rages, and uh, the dog hates him originally. Yeah, dog, the dog, like, comes comes to, like, get revenge, basically. <laughs> and then it's just sort of like, okay, you're not all bad, I see. I see how you flip out sometimes, but oh, I'm, I'm here to control you. <laughs> and, and the dog does. There's, there's a couple of episodes where... Kashern's about to hurt like a, a child or a child robot. I'm not sure which. Um, and I think Frender intervenes. There's another. There's another one where he he, he flips out and Frender like like actually sort of attacks and immobilizes Kashern so he can he can get a grip on himself again. And uh, it, it, it's almost like Frender's there to be his conscience in some ways. Very much so. Um, it's they have a very interesting relationship it's it's not quite master and servant or like you know master and dog or anything like that it's it's almost like a partnership in a lot of ways it's a complimentary buddy pair yeah i totally thought that 
So uh, tell us about the the second core because they were all they were they were starting to line up some mysteries for us at the end of the first core and you know there was rumors that the the sun named the moon maybe isn't so dead as we all thought and you know how did how did you feel like the second core played out? I, I thought it was a lot more watchable than the first because the first has that you know you, you're really getting to know Kesherin and his limits and his uh, his the reason he's going around and doing what he does, um, but that's a lot of repetition. Like I would not recommend marathoning the first part of the series because it's all like, what is this awful thing? Oh, it's the ruin. Did I cause the ruin? Yes. <laughs> this is what makes it personal. Oh, I feel bad about causing the ruin. I I will absolutely second that because that is exactly what I did for this podcast. Was I marathoned the the whole? I I had watched the first couple. I had taken a break. I, I came back. I'm like, I'm just going to rewatch those. I'm going to watch the whole thing. And I did. And I was like, oh, God, this is – I feel incredibly desolate now. I need to watch things that are happy. And, wow, that was very <laughs> difficult to watch because it felt very, 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 very repetitive. And, you know, again, like the the dialogue and the the, the, the writing itself, not great. Um, no, but the no. visual storytelling, I thought, was 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 good. Uh, and and that made it that made it watchable for me. But man, yeah, it was it was it was a marathon to get through. Yeah, it was it was trying to say the least. But at the very end of the first uh, first core, the uh, you start to learn. Oh, okay, well these these new robots. Uh, I think it was um, Dio Kashern and uh, the other one, Lita. Lita. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Lita. Uh, Dio Kesher and Lita were made for the express purpose of having robots that could basically produce another robot organically, um, and it was uh, that was their big thing. Like they were supposed to be the the super robots, and um, you, you've got the Breaking uh, Bosu, uh, who <laughs> basically you find out orders Kesher to kill Luna. And uh, Luna, the death she had inside her, seeped out into the world, so it's sort of this Pandora's box of mm. uh, death and destruction. And he ordered that because uh, humans and robots have been, had been immortal for way too long, and he thought that was unnatural. So he, has, you know, he wants to basically destroy the way the, the, way the world is. Um, and all this sort of comes back in on itself because then he wants to fix that, and <laughs> it all gets very convoluted and un- unnecessary. I thought it was really horrible that they never really explored the the robot conception. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I wanted to watch robots fuck, but um, it would have been fun to explore. There's there's a point where Lita uh, addresses Dio and is saying, "Well, you know, I I we were made for this purpose. I want to, you know." be beside my king in this new robot world where we are the ultimates and uh, they just have Dio wanting to go off and fight Kashern. That's his main purpose. And, well, that's well and good, but it's nothing ever really comes to a like, head like it should. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kashern does end up confronting uh, everyone, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also Luna, who is alive, but sort of uh, a warped version of herself, having gone to the brink of death and come back yeah it's 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 convoluted not a, a, a lot of it doesn't really need to be there but watching it happen because like you said it's it's such a visual series watching it happen is really where it's at yeah it doesn't really 
I never felt like this show, at least in its first core, and and having read through the synopsis of the second core, this show doesn't really try very hard to make a ton of sense. <laughs> um, but but I think visually, if if the storytelling in the second core is anything like it has been in the first core, I, I think it's I think it's definitely worth experiencing that. Um, it's a really interesting world, a really compelling setup. And, and hopefully we'll see more Kashern later uh, in the future that, that maybe is a bit more watchable, um, <laughs> for me at least. Just just trim down the storyline into, like, one thing and develop your characters around that. That'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Kashern is one of those things I've ended up seeing a lot of somehow accidentally over the years. Um, I, I saw the, the the old back in the day the old I think it was a, maybe a God I don't know if it was a streamline release or or who who put that out but the um, there like in the early 90s there was a, a it was called Kashan Robot Hunter they they didn't call it Kashern back then um, and I, I think it was brought out over here I'm gonna look oh the Arch Devils at Harmony Gold did that. Um, <laughs> okay. Ugh. Ugh. Of course they had to change the name. Um, the Great Enemy. Um, but so there was there's that series. There was the original series is an old uh, Tatsunoko 1973 um, show um, that is very much uh, emblematic of of the 70s and those kind of superhero that superhero golden age of superhero type type show that Tatsunoko did back then like Gotcha Man and things like that and then there was a live action movie in 2004 that came out while I was in Japan and I bought it on video and watched it because I'm like hey this looks kind of cool wow that that was definitely worse than Kashurn Sins like just <laughs> just just stay away and Kashurn Sins isn't bad no it's just it's, it's I think it's got a lot to reckon with itself yeah definitely um, it also has a very different storyline than the original uh, Kashern, uh show, um, which is a bit more heroic. Kashern's a bit more of a hero in that. Like in this, he's very much a gray figure. I mean, he 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 wants to be good, but there's things about him that cause destruction and things to happen around him that harm other people. Um, which that dynamic I think was interesting about Kashern as a character. Mm. You know, the, a lot of a lot of times there's a, a, a tacit assumption that people are innately good. With Kashern, it's almost the opposite. Like if you push him far enough, he flips out and he destroys everything he touches. So it's kind of a it's it's it, it explores morality and explores what is it to be human in some interesting ways for sure. In the uh, a little bit later on in the second core, you probably see it already beginning to happen in the first. But uh, Luz, who whose sister has been killed by Kashern, mm-hmm. I think she was helping guard Luna. She pretty much abandons her revenge uh, plot and falls in love with Kashern in like an episode. Uh. Um, it's 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 a pretty horrible how it's pretty horrible how quickly she turns to it, but. Um, basically, she has a dream where her sister says, "No, it's okay. Go ahead." <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a great dream sequence. Yeah. It really is. But uh, the fact that she 
she's Laertes to begin with because she does all these great speeches about how he should die and why he deserves to die. Mm. And then, God damn it, I love you. <laughs> and then she just, like, turn flips. Yeah. And the, the, the end of the anime has them living together in the restart of the world. Um, and the ending is none too happy. Mm. Um, but happy in a sense because, you know, they have become a family and a, a temporary thing. And there's beauty in that fleeting uh, nature of humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have attained that and happiness. But I, I yeah, just how quickly she turned really got to me. I kind of, kind of saw the writing on the wall of that coming because she kept. You know, one of the interesting things about Kashern sins, by interesting I mean contrived, is that like Kashern, Kashern will be like he by design does not want to deal with anybody. Like that's his that's his shtick. That's that's like his mo. But if you have encountered him in the past and you have more than two speaking lines, you're going to have this amazing ability to run into Kashern <laughs> all the time. Like, like you practically live with him even though you're, you're, you're all on the road and you just keep running into him. Um, and the, as, soon, as soon as she started coming up more than one episode, I'm like, oh, no. This is the love interest character, isn't it? Um, so that's kind of what I thought would happen, unfortunately. And I will say, like, I never wanted to see two robots kiss more. <laughs> but, like, and the, the, the scene where they kind of almost do or they fake do is done really well because it's just a really close hug mm-hmm. that's you know, off camera just after a lean-in. Mm-hmm. And when you get both back in the frame they're together in a way you can't tell and then you zoom in even closer and see side by side faces but like it's just like ooh that was that was that was good mm-hmm. that was really good visual right there yeah but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> are we uh are we ready are you got any other kind of wrap up thoughts on this before we move on to the twitter questions uh some of the art the art is beautiful and the the I, I know it's based on a manga uh it's you know, an adaptation of character designs, but my God, I love those. I love those character designs. They're they're sleek and angular. They're bulky. They move with purpose. They have great weight to them, and they they show how they slash and fly and uh, interact with the the environment around them. Um, there's actually in the second core, there's a, a lot of flowers, um, and a lot of that's done in watercolor. And some of the backgrounds are so damn pretty, I found myself going, oh, oh, God, they stuck an anime character in there. Why? <laughs> like, yeah. the, the, it, was, it was, some of it was absolutely gorgeous. That, that's one of the things I really will take from the series forever. It's just like, this is a gorgeous looking series at some points. Yeah, it really is. The, I mean, the characters, like you said, I think look very distinctive, um, I really I like uh, a lot of the the backdrops too. Just the backgrounds. There's some mm. really like just interesting, uh, unconventional uh, landscapes. And like they for for a, for a show that has so much just desert and sand dunes, it really does um, a lot with color and a lot with um, you, you know like really dynamic and interesting background shapes to. To draw your eye just throughout what I've seen of it, mm. and there was a there was, 
something I noticed in one of the last episodes where there's this big battle at the very, you know, final set, and you could tell something was off production-wise because it was day one minute and night the next, and, like, there was blue skies now, now it's dark skies, and like, <laughs> it was it was horribly inconsistent. Oh, man. And, uh, I did want to I did want to give a shout out to uh, uh, Yoshihiko Umakoshi, who was the chief animation director, and uh, I he knows how to use space and non-movement mm. to uh, convey and amplify the effects of um, well of movement, uh, whether it's like a punch, a leg sweep, or a tilt of the head. Um, he was he was also on Mushishi, um, and just really knows how to make you pay attention to how the little details affect character and tone. This whole show is basically like a 70s anime, slightly updated, but mostly left intact from an aesthetic standpoint and a movement standpoint. And it it has, it's sort of, in a way, it reminds me of something like Gundam Unicorn, which is very much drawn and designed to, to evoke the 80s, Gundam style, but with modern production values. Um, or a better a better parallel might be uh, Yamato 2199, which literally is mm. the 70s Yamato with some some tweaks to the story, but you know design wise, very very faithful to um, a lot of the old designs. Um, and it, it just has this this powerfully 70s sort of aesthetic. Um, and it looks really good, and it's it's a it's a kind of a, just a style you just don't see very much. Um, so visually, it's 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 a breath of fresh air, and I like I don't always like reboots of stuff, but I, I do like when a show stylistically harkens back to an earlier style, but then you know puts a bit of modern polish on it. Mm, agreed. So anything else you have to say about Kesher? Um, it's it it happened. Uh, it you know I. Uh, it was all right, you know. I I don't know why I've seen all of the cashier and I've seen, um, but it, it it's it's good stuff. And um, I really I do agree visually. This was this was impressive in a lot of a lot of uh, the different episodes. And I think for the visual storytelling, it's it, it's worth a it's worth a shot. It sounds like the second core is a lot better. So I will probably go ahead and watch the second core uh, while it's fresh on my mind. But you know, it was it was interesting to explore, and this is kind of a classic Japanese anime character. So it was it was good to touch on something like that. Hmm. Yeah, and the second core is much more marathonable. Uh, yeah, just don't just don't pay too much attention to plot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like, yeah. you know, Deadlies or anything. I mean, it, it's there, there's a there, yeah. lot happens. We have to mention Deadlies every episode until until we put it out. <laughs> Stay tuned for the old old Takuno Radio Deadly special. Yes, yes. Also, gonna just say a great passage. Just just randomly throwing that out there. Just to tease you. Helen. Yep. Hi, Helen. Um, you ready for Twitter questions? I'm ready for Twitter questions. From Buddy Cop Doug, do you think the setting of Sims would have worked with the traditional Tatsunoko weekly superhero format? 
I think it was diametrically opposed to the weekly superhero format. This was not a superhero show at all, and I think a lot of the core conceits of the show would have not been well served in the weekly superhero format as it stood. What are we talking about in terms of that? Because I have no idea, no idea what that means. Well, that, that tends to be very much more like a – well, let me – to give you a frame of reference that I know you know, uh, Go Lion, right? So – there's a there's a bad thing. It's really powerful. Oh, we're getting our ass kicked. Uh, how do we do? Oh, wait. There's this one trick we can do, or this one thing, or maybe we'll we'll invent some new uh, thing for the hero to use from now on. Uh, and oh, now we've overcome it, and you know we've um, our our, our hot blooded shonen uh, heroes have have made it through the day. That kind of deal. I personally don't think that would have worked well for what they were trying to accomplish with sins. I'd, I'd have to agree, because really this is about not breaking through limits. It's more about dealing with limits and sort of the beauty the limits impose. Yeah. So the next one is from Panino Des. I think I got that right. I'm sorry if I didn't get that right. Uh, and uh, the question is, oh boy, oh boy, I was liking this one so much, but in the moment that Breaking Boss showed himself in that cave... I remember that in the end I missed the point of the story with Luna and other things. Please explain what that meant. Please, Ink, explain what that meant. <laughs> Come on, that was the end of the first core, Jared. <laughs> okay, I'll explain what that meant. I have no fucking idea what that meant. <laughs> Ink, please explain what that meant. Okay, so basically you learn that Reiking Bus, like uh, Luz, has been following Kasern around uh, with, you know, for whatever reason, uh, turns out he was the. You find out he's the general of the robot army, that, and uh, he had ordered Kesserin to kill Luna uh, for his own reasons. Um, that's pretty much it. The, uh, it, it sets him. It, it gives Breaking Boss a bit of humanity because he thought the robots were. or the. The humans were too arrogant because they, with their medical technology, they can now live forever, and robots were inherently inherently immortal. Uh, so this like something had to need to change because he didn't want everything to be immortal. So from uh, Joel Dreyer, uh, Kasher and Sins is cool, but when do we get the real Tatsunoko Dark Hero podcast on Kadas, which is some like Tengu inspired like weird thing i don't know i'm sure I'm, I'm sure that the the Kados fans out there are now cursing my my name uh but i i don't know much, much about Kados. i think he was in one of the fighting games i played maybe tatsunoko versus capcom can't remember um that's what i remember he's he's, he's a crow dude with some crow armor and yep uh i don't know do you, do you want you want to do a, a podcast on this thing that i clearly don't know anything about <laughs> Might be interesting if we run out of stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> as as of now with Cassian, I'm not terribly uh, uh, enthused to do another Cassian's like podcast. Yeah. yeah, I think I think this is good for now. Yeah. Um, and uh, via friend of the show Corey uh, at Impassionate K, who is Cassian and what are their sins? Uh, Kassern is a bishy robot, and uh, his sins are not getting a clue fast enough. Yeah, I think that's perfectly uh, – that perfectly caps it off. Ink, where can people find you in the universe? 
Uh, right here at AnimeGamers.com, where I do this little thing called a Taku no Radio with a very talented co-host named Jared Nelson. Yeah. Um, you could also hear me sometime soon on the Taiku podcast, where I'm their official uh, bad sports anime correspondent. Uh, we're going to be... We actually just did a review of uh, Recovery of an MMO Junkie. Yay. And we're pairing that with, for whatever reason, Two Car, which oh. is like one of the Best anime of 2017. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also write for Otaku USA magazine. I just had a review of Picotaro's Lullaby, Lullaby, and uh, uh, The Great Passage in the most recent issue. And I have something on Tukar, actually, in there in the next issue. Oh, God. <laughs> Good to know you followed up The Great Passage with Tukar, buddy. At least they're not in the same issue. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. I, was, I, was, I don't know if I can make my way through that whole issue. And uh, you can also find me over at fandompost.com, writing 10 years later, later articles, uh, if I ever get to. And uh, uh, Crunchyroll Features, I'll pop one out every once in a while. How about you, Jared? Um, I'm on Twitter at Jared, and um, I'm, I'm private right now. But um, come say hi. How about, uh, how about a gaming blog of some sort? Oh, yes. Uh, eventually, when I get off my ass and start publishing articles again, you can uh, check out my gaming-related writing at the Electrum Edition, uh, which is also on Twitter at, at Electrum Edition. There's some good stuff on there that's sort of like evergreen kind of advice for you know DMs and players, things like that. Um, I, I do want to get back to writing more of that. I've just uh, Life has been happening a lot lately. Well, for... Jared and myself want to thank you for joining us. Want to th- make you leave comments and ratings and all that sort of sort of fun stuff. And also want to thank Alan and Kate for doing the reverse uh, the secret Santa because that's just an amazing amazingly fun thing to do participate in every year. Thank you guys. So come on back next time. We'll be appearing on the 11th as usual with Bubblegum Crisis. Oh yeah. To start segueing into the topic of our conversation today, I, I must say that as soon as um, the guy Dio uh, showed up, um, it, 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 I, I was ruined on that character. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I could not do, I couldn't do anything. It's like you know, you thought I was evil Keshern, but no, it was me, Dio, all along. Like I basically just started like plotting his dialogue and like writing his dialogue. In my head.